1-800-529-1403. Call now, because this is the Morning Drive on News Talk WVMT. Welcome back to the Morning Drive. Sorry. Welcome back to the Morning Drive, everybody. Kurt and Anthony here, and joining us in studio now. We always love having her in here. It's been a little while, so we're so glad to have her back. It's Thea Lewis. Good morning, Thea. Good morning. It's so great to be here with you, too. It's, so, uh, it's great to have you back, and of course, you have a new book out. Which I do. Is, <laughs> which is, uh, tell us about it. Surprisingly, it's not a haunted book. People usually know me from my haunted tours, which are going on now, Queen City Ghost Walk, but... Um, a little over a year ago, my publisher, Arcadia, the History Press, asked me if I would write a book about true crime in the city of Burlington. They know that I'm a longtime local. They knew that I had some uh, decent local connections and that I love history. And so it seemed like a pretty good fit. So I wrote True Crime Stories of Burlington, Vermont. And it's out in bookstores now. Features It says, feature stories of dirty cops, notorious ladies of the night, <laughs> knife-wielding psychopaths, Lovers off the deep end and infamous serial killers. I love all of it. All of it was so much fun to write. And particularly um, some of the older history, you wouldn't believe how sensational Burlington was and how um, how crime crime riddled sensational back in the 1800s. I was stunned. Really? Yeah, yeah. So much prostitution. Uh, there's a story in the book called The Habits of Local Nightbirds that came from the pages of the Burlington Free Press and the Burlington Daily News about these young men who were drinking beer on the down low in a local grocery down on Battery Street, which was called Water Street back in the day. And uh, this group of Irishmen is, uh, you know, concerned with drinking beer that the owner of the store had made and playing craps when another gentleman and his brother show up and the whole thing turns to bedlam and somebody ends up dead. And uh, and and you hear a lot of stories about the people, the, the, the kind of off-kilter people who lived down on Water Street back in the day and that whole, that whole waterfront neighborhood filled with lumber yards, which were which were a dangerous place to be anyway. And I just found it creepy and fascinating. And so I bet research for this was a lot of fun. It was so much fun. People ask me, you know, where do you where do you get your research? What do you do? And I do a lot of Ancestry.com, a lot of Googling, a lot of uh, special collections up at UVM. But as I mentioned, um, I grew up here. Mm-hmm. And I grew up in Burlington's Old North End for yep. a long period of time. And then as an adult, bought a house there, lived there for a while. And... You, uh, when you live in Burlington for a while, you, you see some things and you get to know some people. And sometimes you're rubbing elbows or shoulders with people who end up killing other people and you're surprised. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell us about one where you did? Cause I know it does say this in here that you, uh, there was a shocking few cases where you knew the killers personally. Yeah, the one that I uh, I was just interviewed by someone else the other day, and uh, one of the ones I can point to, there are a few. Um, we had a family friend, Ellen Ducharme. People will uh, remember her as a person who, unfortunately, uh, killed a, another young woman uh, in a drug deal gone wrong with a baseball bat and ended up tossing her down the stairs of her apartment in the Old North End. Interestingly enough, um, I knew her because she was uh, in my in my family's social circle, circle, kind of uh, on the on the outer fringes. She was a person that I that I did see at some family gatherings. We had a family gathering, a baby shower for someone in the family, and it was asked, you know, where should we have this? You know, we're not going to rent a hall. Uh, we don't have enough people for that, but we do need a decent sized place. So her place on North Avenue was a place that could hold the number of people who were going to be attending the party. 
We found out later that because of a deal she'd worked out with the BPD, she was wearing a wire and there were cameras and every guest at the party, guilty or not, was being surveilled. So, um, yeah, so really. um, What year was this? Oh, gosh. Approximately. Was this? This would have been around 96. 96. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And so, uh, you know, this was a person we see a lot in Burlington today. Um, we talk about people and, and the dynamic with their personalities and the crimes they commit. But this was a young woman who was an habitual offender who had a pretty sad life anyway. And so intervention for a lot of people early, I think, is is the key to a lot of these things. And we talk a lot about temperament and whether it's nature or nurture or whatever. But in her case, in Ellen's case, I have to believe that if somebody could have spent the time, things might not have turned out the way they did. Did you? And again, I want to get this book and read it. And I haven't yet. So I only know that it's, it's a, it sounds like a great book. And it's all about stuff that's happened in Burlington. So I don't know if you touched on this one or not, but you know the case on Brooks Avenue that yeah. was solved just this past winter yeah. after 50-plus years. Did you touch on that one? I did touch on that one, and what was odd was I was working on that very story for the book while the crime was solved. Wow. Oh, wow. So I get somebody who says, hey, did you see that there's going to be a press conference about Rita Curran? And I was floored. Uh, yeah, Rita Curran, back in the 70s, young woman, a school teacher from Milton. So many people are going to remember this case. Uh, Senator Leahy, there's a picture of him in the book. Yeah. A yeah. very young picture of Senator Leahy. He was state's attorney at the time. People in town were leaving no stone unturned trying to figure out who murdered this young woman in her apartment and wouldn't you know, after years and after speculation uh, that it might be, and I won't say because it's in the book, might be a very famous serial killer who had come to Burlington to visit. Uh, we find out that it's William DeRoos, this man who lived in her building. Um, what a story. And I think that people will enjoy seeing um, the trajectory of that. And also, um, I talk a little bit about how um, DNA was in such a very early stage back then uh, that they had to really jump through some hoops to even get what they got where that murder was concerned. And one of the things about Senator Leahy in this story was he lived like right behind where the murder occurred, right? On you know, I don't remember that particular part of it. That's something that I did not include in the book. And, I'm, uh, and I've been talking so much about things that I did include in the book. But I can tell you that it was something that rattled the entire neighborhood, the entire city. Hardware stores were selling out of blocks. People were putting bolts on their doors in a city where, you know, I don't know how long you've lived in Burlington, Kurt. How long has it been? Uh, I have lived in Burlington since the late 70s. I first moved okay. to Burlington late 70s. Okay. 45 so, years. So this, this happened a little earlier. So This happened just a few years before. Yeah. So um, Burlington, and even after you moved here, and even when I was a kid in the old North End, when I lived on North Avenue in Burlington, um, you know, uh, right across the street from Waggy's store, uh, we didn't lock our door at night. It was a different time. It was a completely so, different time. So I yeah. can just imagine what you're saying, that... All of a sudden, everybody's scared to death. Like, oh my God, right yeah. in the middle of a neighborhood of families that were large families that were famous for living in that area. Yeah, uh, she was a young woman. Here we've got a university uh, just a few blocks from where she lives. We've got a campus full of young women. We've got young women living in apartments. Uh, people were on edge. Parents were on edge. And, um, you know, the, the, chief of, the chief of police at the time was under pressure. And the mayor 
who was Mayor Paquette at the time, Mayor Paquette said, well, you know, what are we going to do? Are we going to, you know, they're like, we need more police. And it's like, well, are we going to just, you know, hire police to escort everybody around? We can't do, you know, it was one of those things where personal responsibility people, you know, that's what he was preaching. And yeah. people were just trying to take care of each other. All right. Well, we've got to take a quick two minute break. And then we're, we're talking to Thea Lewis about this great book. True Crimes in Burlington. I just think it's great. Uh, and we'll be right back in the McKenzie Country Classic. Follow them on Facebook for interviews and more. The Morning Drive on News Talk WVMT. Darren Heron didn't get his. Welcome back to the Morning Drive, everybody. Kurt and Anthony and Thea Lewis is with us. If you have a question for Thea, she has a brand new book out, True Crime in Burlington, Vermont, and it's great. And if you have a question about any of the stories she has, give us a call on the McKenzie Country Classic Hotline, 888 So tell us another one of the famous cases that you uh, have written about in the book. Well, there's a store downtown, uh little convenience store that has a rather unfortunate nickname. Oh, I know which one you're referring to. Can I say the nickname? Say the nickname. Murder Mart? Murder Mart. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, years ago, I was um, doing some substitute teaching. They were looking for substitute teachers, and uh, and I was working at, at um, Edmonds, you know, for a little while with all of those, <laughs> all of those uh, preteens and young teens, which was an experience in itself. But there I was. I had gone. There was a Quiznos inside the convenience store at that time. I don't know if there still is. I haven't, um, I haven't looked over at that. So I've been into you know get change and things like that and just pick up something uh, mints or something quickly. So um, this young man is sitting across from me and he says, "Oh, your sandwich looks so great." And I said, "Ah, it's Quiznos." And uh, he said, where'd you get it? And I said, you know, down the corner at the convenience store. And another teacher pipes up, you know, kind of snarkily. He goes, oh, you mean the murder mart? Mm. And I smiled. And the other man said, why, do, why does everybody call it the murder mart? Is it because the people in there are murder to deal with? And I just laughed. And I said, no, that's here. Let me tell you a little story. And the story, of course, is that a man named Samuel Wright Jr. took it upon himself to opportunistically go into that place and kill not only the clerk that he knew, Kimberly Giro, but uh, but also the young man, uh, Richard Aiken, who was working in the bottle room at the time. Um, he befriended them, and then he killed both of them. And for a relatively small amount of cash, a couple thousand dollars, he was, he was uh, a person who was dealing drugs, hooked on drugs. And so it's quite the story. You read it and get into all of the, all of the details of how he was found out. And I remember that one maybe being, would, would I be right to say it was around 30 years ago? That one was 86. Oh, f more like f almost yeah. closer to 40. Yeah, and the, the, the crazy thing was, I mean, I was at the time working, um, I was working in a store people might remember called Sweet Dreams down in the Burlington, what used to be yeah. called the Burlington Square Mall. And um, he had worked in the bakery right next door for a period of time while I was there and uh, and hadn't hadn't been working there uh, close to the time of the crime. He was actually a dishwasher at that point in a restaurant downtown. But I can remember this guy kind of, um, you know, a little charming. Uh, you could tell that he thought a lot of himself. Um, kind of your typical sort of narcissistic personality, the kind of person who believes that they can do or say things and, and get away with them. But uh, it was shocking to me on a Thanksgiving weekend, 
to discover that this guy had just gone into a place that was a stone's throw from the mall and done this thing. And, um, you know, that was another situation where people were on edge. I mean, um, imagine all of the convenience stores in town at that time. And um, I don't know if you were at Carrie's at the time, but, you know, people were talking about additional. They were talking about protection, additional staff, telling their staff. You know, there's yeah. a there's a comment that I quote in the book. Somebody somebody said, you know, to their staff, just anybody comes in, give them the money. Don't. Right. Don't worry about it. You know, just it's not it's not that important. Give them the money. I do. Re- I mean, it's 37 years ago. It's hard long to believe time, yeah. how long ago. But I, I remember it very well. It it doesn't seem like it was 37 years ago, but I yeah. do remember it just feeling very creepy. Yeah. Especially if you were somebody that worked in a store to find out that these two people had just been slain. Yeah. It's and, Burlington. It's the holiday season. You know, you yeah. had the, all the... You know, people, you're supposed to be merry and full of good cheer. And then there's this terrible tragedy in the downtown area. Um, shook a lot of people. Yeah, it really did. I um, I love the 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 titles of your of your uh, chapters. Oh. <laughs> uh, you know, um, call her madam. Uh, you know, uh, well, some of them are obvious. Very cold case. But the UVM's deadliest student. UVM's deadliest student. Oh, people tell us that- about that. UVM's deadliest student is a man who started here in the city of Burlington as a, just a student at Pomeroy Hall. He wanted to be a doctor. Uh, he had come from Gilmantown, New Hampshire, left his new wife and small child there. And I believe her parents were financing his education somewhat. So here he comes. He's in Burlington, and he only stays for a year because you know, he thinks that the medical, school, the medical school is just too small to suit his needs. But... Uh, he eventually moves off to the city of Chicago and makes a new name for himself. And when I say he makes a new name, he did. He was Herman Mudgett when he lived in Burlington, and he became H.H. H. Holmes, America's first serial killer. Wow. Whoa. Yeah. Creepy guy, very, very creepy. And people can read in the book about his insurance scams, about the dastardly deeds he did um, toward the end of his trajectory as this horrifying criminal. And he came through UVM. And he came through UVM for a short wow. period of time, but he did walk the streets of Burlington. And people will learn by reading the chapter, he did come back. He did come back. Uh-huh. So read all about that. And what? then uh, I, I, the uninvited wedding guest. I mean, there's so yeah. many fun. I can't <laughs> wait to read this book. I got to well, tell you. I've got to tell you, it was so much fun writing. I, I do have fun. The History Press, um, I'm not, I'm not going to say everything is cut and dried, but they are in the business of history. And so when I write a book like this or a book um, like my book, um, Haunted Haunted Inns and Ghostly Getaways. This is I mean, your sixth book. This is my sixth book with them. Yeah, I actually have seven books because I have my children's book. There's a witch in my sock drawer as well. But um you know, they, they're interested in the history. They're interested in the facts. They do let me, uh, especially in the case of this book, where I have known a couple of the perpetrators and also some of the people who are accessories, they they let me be a little bit more anecdotal about it. Um, but I love the chapters are where I have fun, the chapter titles, because they don't they don't preside over that at all. In <laughs> fact, um, in the book, I think it's in the book Haunted Inns and Ghostly Getaways, uh, I've got a story oh no it's in wicked vermont it's a story about this woman who actually um actually drowns her child and i stole a line from eminem from from the rapper eminem uh and the title of that is um 
apparently you ain't parents and it's about this woman and about some other people who have <laughs> who have killed their oh, back in the 1800s killed their foster children killed their children and yeah I, i'm an m&m fan so I, I thought that was an apt title for a, a chapter like that i was trying to figure out which line i'm like i'm sorry mama <laughs> i'm sorry mama yeah no. <laughs> i'm cleaning yeah. out the closet <laughs> there are a lot of people i've known who you could say apparently you ain't parents so that's a, a good one to go with now what about dirty cops the Oh, jeez. Dirty cops. There are going to be people who, uh, anybody who's a little older who lived in the city of Burlington uh, or or has parents who told this story, you know, back in uh, the early 1960s, it was discovered. Uh, there were people, merchants in the downtown would come in and find out through inventory or through just basically looking that their stores had been broken into in the night. And it turned out that this was something that was instigated by a couple of cops. Their last names were Adams and Malloy. And uh, Malloy had read in some article that he'd gotten a hold of from uh, from Colorado that there had been some cops who had gone in and had, in, you know, in the dark of night, places they're supposed to be protecting and serving, had taken these things that didn't belong to them. And this is what Adams and Malloy and three other officers did. And it ended up fracturing the city of Burlington because Burlington then discovered not only were these cops that they knew walking the beat um, stealing things from the people in the downtown, but these cops were also, uh, some of them doing it because they were so incredibly underpaid. I mean, uh, the national average um, for pay in the United States was about a thousand. It was more than a thousand dollars more than what these police officers were making at the time. Some of them had been working with the police department three, four, five years. So it was a scandal. And, um, and, and it was, uh, you know, it was a, it was a moment of real distrust uh, against the city from the, from the citizens for a while. Sure. Was there, is there any one that you covered that is an unsolved one? Uh, you know, there is actually an entire chapter of unsolved. If if people um, people can look in the book, and I'll be full disclosure, I was completely shocked to go on the Vermont State Police website and see one after another all of these incredible unsolved crimes. Oh. Um, you know, and it's uh, and and it's just there's one there's one that still remains unsolved, and this isn't in my chapter on unsolved, but we talked about Rita Curran and Brooks Avenue. They're on Brooks Avenue. Ten years later, not exactly ten years, but ten years later, there was another school teacher murdered there, right outside, right outside her home, and um, yeah, her killer has never been found. And that was on Brooks Avenue. That was on Brooks Avenue in 1981. It was a woman named Angela Belial, and Angela Belial uh, was a, a woman who had moved to Burlington to take uh, classes at UVM. She had a couple of young children. She was recently divorced. She did fear for her life because of things in her relationship, but, you know, when push came to shove, the spouse had an alibi. Um, she was basically executed uh, with a gun right out in front of her house on a, a January night. Uh, her body was discovered by a young man walking through the neighborhood early in the morning, and when he first saw her, he thought it was a mannequin frozen in the snow. Wow. Now, I lived in Burlington then, but I... I have to say, I don't remember that one. And I lived in Burlington then, and I don't remember that one. But it's fascinating. State's attorney at the time was Mark Keller, as he was with a lot of the cases. Uh, the case of uh, Louis Hamlin and Jamie Savage, uh, he was also in charge at that point in time. I was able to have some really great conversations uh, with him on the phone one day about uh, about the different crimes that I was covering. That went by quick, Thea. That's how good this book is. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs>
True crime in Burlington. True crime stories of Burlington, Vermont. All right. Well, well get it. And then we're going to see we're going to see Thea back here at the end we'll of the month. We'll be back too. on News Talk WVMT Burlington tomorrow. <laughs> From ABC News. I'm Sherry Preston. Donald Trump is expected this morning before a New York judge who has already determined that he committed fraud by inflating his net worth by more than $2 billion. ABC's Aaron Katursky is outside the courthouse in Lower Manhattan with more. The judge's ruling said Trump was living in a fantasy world, and it's already threatening to wrest from Trump's control some of his prized assets, including his signature skyscraper, Trump Tower on Fifth Avenue where he rode the golden escalator to announce his first run for president.